encourage you and to challenge you, as Ron said. And so we're going to dive into the Word of God in a minute. And uh, we're going to ask God to speak to us, to open up our hearts, to receive His Word. So let's go to Him in prayer. Father, we thank you that this is the day that you have made and we rejoice in it. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you that there is answers in the word of God to change and transform us into the likeness of your son, Jesus. I thank you for each person that's in the room, that they would receive your word, God, with joy, that they would be anchored and that it would grow deep. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, how many of you like stories? Come on, how many of you like stories? Uh, I grew up, you know, my grandparents, they were the generation, the silent generation that fought in the wars that uh, always had all of these great stories, you know. My grandpa on my mom's side, he was a, a motorcycle racer, raced enduros and was in, so, so we'd always sit there and listen to his stories. I still have one of his trophies at home. And, uh, you know, those stories though, you hang on every word. Because it was an experience that somebody lived through, that somebody had, that someone told. Uh, my grandpa, on the other side, he fought in the wars and uh, he, his, uh, his brother flew B-17s and was shot, three, uh, three, shot down three times and uh, escaped Nazi Germany. And he would tell these stories. And uh, it's, it's amazing how they, they capture you. It's easy to listen to somebody's story. And uh, so today I'm going to tell you some stories from my own personal life about what God has done in my life, because God has done some great things. And I believe oftentimes when we try to share maybe just verses or religion, or we try to, oh, I got to share the gospel to somebody, I'm supposed to go tell somebody about the good news of Jesus, and uh, we feel like we have to share it, it loses some of its power in the sense of it's like, oh, you know. But when it's a story that we are just excited to share, it just slips out naturally. It's like, you know, hey, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? Did you hear what's been done? Did you hear what God has done in my life? Did you hear how he's changed my life? He's healed my body. And when you have an experience with the kingdom, it will change your life forever. And we tell people that you've got to have an experience with the kingdom. You've got to trust God and step out and see that God's word is good and there are answers no matter how difficult the situation that you're in is. It is something that can change your life. And so I want to talk a little bit about faith because faith is the access to the kingdom. If you're going to receive anything from God, including salvation, it's going to be because of faith. Everyone say faith. 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 Not faith as in the religion. All right. Now, some people, they will say, now, what faith are you part of, brother? What faith are you part of, sister? Or uh, meaning like what religion or what, what is your belief? But no, no, faith as a believer, as a spirit-filled believer, it goes beyond that. Faith is a tangible force that affects the spiritual and the natural force. We walk and we live as, as believers. We walk in faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by believing and not by seeing, or we walk by faith and not by sight. We are to continually live a life of faith because faith is agreement with heaven and it's seeing the world the way that God sees it. Now, when I was a kid, I'm going to just, like I said, I'm going to share some of my personal stories here. But when I was a kid, my family, everything that we, we had was broken and falling apart. Every, uh, everything that we touched got worse. And uh, I don't know about you, if you've ever been there, where it just feels like everything ever get involved, it just gets, goes from bad to worse, to, and then just keeps going downhill from there. And, uh, you know, my dad, he failed at virtually everything that he tried, and we were broke. We owed everybody uh, everything. We owed uh, the IRS. We owed the credit card companies. We owed the banks. We owed relatives. We owed the dry cleaners. I mean, we owed everybody financially. Uh, our cars didn't go down the road straight. You know, you know what I'm talking about when your car goes kind of down the road like this and you're just like, hey, I'm glad it's running, right? You're just happy when it starts. And uh, whenever you had a couple pennies to rub together and you got to get, go to McDonald's, that was a big deal as a kid. And, uh, you know, my, my kids, they, I buy them the Happy Meal toy. But when I was a kid, it was the, uh, you know, you're sharing a fry. You both get a, the, the, the burger and the orange drink. And that was like, you know, you're, you're rolling high whenever you're living that life. And, uh, you know, we were broke. Nothing was going well. And God began to challenge my father because he 
grew up, you know, he grew up uh, believing he was a Christian, you know, but they didn't go to church as a kid. But as he got older and was in his teens, he had a real life experience with God where God radically changed his world, right? And so he, he called upon the name of the Lord. He was a spirit-filled believer. He led worship in his church. His, uh, he went to Bible school. His heart was for the things of God, but everything still in his life was messed up. And God began to challenge him as he got into the word of God. God said, hey, you know what, Gary? You've got, this is my father I'm speaking of. Gary, you've, you've got a carnal mindset. Gary, you're not, you're not believing the kingdom is applicable in the little things. Why don't you learn to trust me? Why don't you learn to walk this out? Why don't you realize that the Bible is, goes beyond just salvation in the sense of, oh, you know, a few more weary days and I'll fly away. See, the, the word of God and the power of God is valuable for you today. It affects the natural things. Jesus didn't just rise from the dead in spirit. He rose from the dead in a physical sense as well. And so the, the natural things, the physical things, he took his body to heaven with him. You can trust the kingdom of God and the power of God to be sufficient. And so as he got into the word of God, he began to reflect on the promises of God's word, on the principles of God's word, on the truth in God's word. And God confronted him. He said, Gary, why don't you just learn to trust me in the little things? And, uh, and that includes deer hunting. Come on, can I get an amen? Uh, any deer hunters in the room uh, in this place in Marion? Okay, we got a couple. Good. It's always good to see a couple fellow deer hunters. But my dad was an avid deer hunter and went years and years without getting any deer. And God's like, why, why don't you ask for That's something simple. The, the Bible, you know, my, my disciples, the 12 disciples, they were fishermen. And on several different occasions, three different occasions, they were instructed to trust God with their fishing. He said, hey, friends, throw the nets over on the other side. And they're like, well, we fished all night, but okay, because you said so. And they caught this large, you know, catch of fish. Or when they had taxes to pay, right? He, he's, Jesus said, hey, go catch a fish. And then look in its mouth. And so Peter goes out, catches a fish, looks in its mouth, and what's inside a coin? God used what was familiar to the disciples to teach them. And so then he took my father on the same process where he used deer hunting to teach him about trusting God. And so uh, the first time he ever, he ever really specifically got in faith and prayed for God, God to, to, to send a deer his way and to harvest a deer, he wrote it down on a piece of paper and put it in his pocket, what he was believing to see and expecting to see. He went out hunting and he lived into that moment that he had written down and he pulled it out of his, his pocket and looked at that piece of paper and said, could it be that this is not a coincidence? So now me as a child, I was growing up with this. My dad would come back from hunting all excited. He would have had a successful hunt, but it wasn't about the hunt. It was always about a principle or something that he was understanding in the kingdom of God. Uh, maybe that the words that we have have power or the sp how specific the kingdom is, or maybe just that God cares about our needs. And I remember this uh, so, so clearly, you know, he came coming in and being all excited. And I remember at nine years old, I said, Dad, I want to go hunting too. And my dad's like, I don't know that you're old enough. And uh, we'll, we'll probably have to wait a couple more years. But I was like, Dad. And I remember the first, the first verse I knew was Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And I quoted that verse and it did the trick because he's like, okay, well, let's see if you can shoot a gun and maybe we'll take you out. So he took me out, put an old Ithaca double barrel shotgun in my hands and uh, put a milk jug out to see if I could hit it. And so I wasn't a good shot by any means, but he said, okay, if a deer comes in within 15 yards, I'll let you, I'll let you shoot it. And uh, I remember my mom, she said, I, you, Gary, you're not going to deny that boy his faith. If he wants to go deer hunting and he's going to trust God and he's going to pray for a deer, he needs to see that God, <laughs> he works in those things. So I remember going out, though, that opening day of gun season here in Ohio and uh, climbing up in the tree. And of course, now the tree stands y'all have are like lazy boys compared to back whenever it was just two, two pine boards up in a tree, you know, and sitting on these two pine boards. And my dad was sitting on the limb behind me. And, uh, you know, so a deer just, I mean, walked right in. We did not hear it or see it. I remember, I mean, it's amazing how you remember these moments so clearly. And I looked down and there's this buck standing right beneath us. And neither my dad nor I saw it. It just, uh, it, it snuck up on us for sure. And he gave me the prescribed sign, and that was, I'll give you a little kick, and that means go ahead and take the shot. So I'm sitting at his feet, and he's like, okay, go ahead and take the shot. 
And I lift up the gun, and the deer's standing there right beneath us, and I could not get the safety off. And I remember that so clearly, trying to get that. It had the, the stock safety on it, trying to get that off. And uh, finally, the deer starts to walk away, and click, the safety comes off. I take the shot. The deer drops. My dad is pretty reserved. You won't hear a lot out of him a lot of times, but he said, hallelujah, and began to cheer. And I remember we went to Bob Evans, and I ordered off the adult menu. Amen. And so... <laughs> I was raised in a, in a family where there was an expectation that God would do something. And if something wasn't right, we are going to keep digging in deep until we get some answers. We're not going to give up. Even though we may go through some challenging moments, we are going to see God's kingdom work in our life. And um, Mark eleven twenty two 22 through 24, Jesus said to them, have faith in God. I can guarantee this truth. This is what will be done for someone who doesn't doubt, but believes what he says will happen. He can say to this mountain, be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it will be done for him. That's why I tell you to have faith that you have already received whatever you pray for, and it will be yours. This is a very interesting verse, apart from just the scope, right? Uh, if you don't doubt in your heart, but if you believe, and then he says, and, and that's why I tell you to believe to have faith that you've already received. Have faith that you've already received. It's already been given to you when you pray. And that word doubt is distazo in the Greek, and that basically means a double stance or trying to, trying to straddle two things. It's a verb. It's not just something people say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you are actively engaged in whether you know it or not. So are you standing in faith? Or are you standing in doubt because you're unleashing that into your life and you're walking that verb out into your life? And uh, so, you know, and I don't know if you've ever tried to straddle the dock in a boat while it's leaving the dock. It's not a comfortable place to be in, all right? So that word doubt means I've got a double stance. But uh, as you trust God and you look to his word and you get rooted and grounded standing firmly on his promises, you will see things change in your life. And that's what happened when I was a kid. Uh, you know, like I said, we were so broke uh, that we had nothing. We had plants growing in the, the window, right? You had a broken window and a vine was growing in. And it's like, well, well we need to fix that one of these days if we could just get a, get a little bit of money. And, uh, you know, nothing was going well, but then things begin to change. And as a man changes his mind, so is he, right? The Bible says, as you think, so are you. And the word of God begin to change our family and uh, launched businesses, ended up building, uh, paying for houses and lands paid for, and our, our cars were paid for, and everything changed radically in our family. And uh, then, then, of course, my, my dad said, we got to tell other people about this, and then that was where the ministry came into it as well. And uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified, I want to help, help you out. R listen to how this reads. Faith is the assurance, that's the title or the deed. The confirmation of things hoped for, and that is divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. That's the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends what, is, what as fact cannot be expressed by the physical senses. The physical senses, right? You've got the uh, sight, hearing, touch, smell, and taste. Many times, we, we, that's where we're expecting to see and, and like, okay, I don't know about you. There's times definitely I'm just like, okay, if I can't see it, I can't feel it, I can't hear it, then, then where is it? But God, he encourages us to step out on his kingdom. And I believe many, many of you have had an experience with the kingdom. Maybe uh, our first uh, experience with the kingdom, I think, is where we call upon the name of the Lord. You hear the good news of the gospel. It, it is confronting your thought process. It's confronting maybe the God that you thought you knew or maybe you didn't know, but you saw him maybe as an angry taskmaster. And now people are saying, you know, God is merciful. God is love. You can trust him. And something in your heart is compelling you to respond, right? So if you called upon the name of the Lord, in Colossians, it says that he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son. And so if you've called upon his name, you have walked in faith before. All right, Hebrews 2.8, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. So it's through faith. Everything that we will receive and have access to in the kingdom, it is through faith. Hebrews 11.6 says it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So God would not require us to have faith if it were impossible for us to live and to walk and to have faith or to grow in faith. That would be unjust, right? It's, un it's impossible to please him without faith. 
So now you and I are tasked with the task of walking in faith and learning in faith and growing in faith and continuing to exercise our faith muscles. And uh, that's, I'm going to tell you all some more stories just about some of the things that I've seen in my life. So, you know, beyond deer hunting, deer hunting's fun. But what Jesus was trying to do with the disciples and the fishing stories was really to get them to engage in the kingdom of God in an even more life-changing way. And so, you know, yeah, we, we've, hunted, we've hunted by faith, meaning we pray. I went hunting last year, and I was hunting with a group of guys, you know, and there's, there was a couple of us. We were wearing faith hunt hats. You know, we have some hats that say faith hunt. And he goes, darn you faith hunters, because <laughs> guess what? God meets our needs, and, uh, you know, we, we, were, we, were, we had a great hunt. But anyway, uh, you know, we've got to understand that faith opens the door. Mark 6, 5 through 6, Jesus could not do any miracles in his own hometown because of what? Their lack of faith. And this is interesting because most of us think that God, or if Jesus was with us, he could fix our problems. Well, if Jesus were with me, I wouldn't be walking through this hard time. If Jesus were right here with me, if Jesus would show up in my bedroom and fix this situation, no, Jesus would rebuke you. And uh, he would say, come on, get your faith together like his disciples. He's like, how long do I have to put up with this? How long do I have to put up with you perverse and unbelieving generation? Why don't you believe? And uh, so engaging in the kingdom is something you've got to do. You've got to step out. You've got to engage in faith. Hebrews eleven thirty three through 34. Through faith they conquered kingdoms, did what God approved, and received what God had promised. They shut the mouths of lions and put out raging fires and escaped death. They found strength when they were weak. They were powerful in battle and defeated other armies. Everybody say they. Everybody say they. They were the ones that engaged. It doesn't say that God did this. God did that. God handled that situation. God is good. It's all God. God you know, God is saying, hey, I'm with you. And if you're made in my image and you're empowered with my spirit, then you've got to step into the situation and you've got to call those things that are not as though they are and you've got to engage. I remember when I was younger, I was looking for a house to buy. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but when you're engaging in something new, you've got to learn. But I was praying. I was like, God, I'm looking for a house. I was uh, in my early 20s at the time. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Miss Alicia. And, uh, you know, so we were hanging out at the time. We weren't engaged yet. But I was like, man, I want to be prepared because I know where this is going, right? I'm going to marry this girl. And uh, so I was looking for a house. I had a Suzuki Bandit 600, and I rode that motorcycle all over looking at different houses trying to find a house. And I shopped and I shopped, and I was having trouble finding the right house. I didn't make hardly any money. I made less than $30,000. And so I'm like, okay, I have a pretty small budget. And uh, so the bank said, hey, you can, you can do a $150,000 house. And anyway, so I was looking at $150,000 houses. But our pastor was preaching at the time, houses and lands paid for. Believe God for houses and lands paid for. And I don't know about you, if you don't make a lot of money, $150,000 is a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a calculator mentality guy sometimes where you pull out the calculator and you're like, well, we'll take my extra money and put all of that towards my house. You know, I'm still looking at 12 or 13 years and that's not even being able to go out to eat or, you know, whatever. And um, so my, my mindset began to change as I was shopping. God was coaching me. He was correcting me. He was teaching me. He said, why are you going to believe me to get a big loan so you can pay it off? Why don't we, why don't we reverse this? I shopped for about a year, but the whole time that I was there, my, what I was expecting to see was, was changing until I came into agreement that it was like, God, I'm going to find a house that I can, I can buy outright. I'd been saving every penny I could for several years, and uh, so I had actually a fair amount of savings. Not a, not a lot, but anyway, so... My realtor called one day, though, and she said, hey, you won't believe it. There's this house that everything is listed wrong, and it's got the wrong square footage, the wrong bathroom count, the wrong zip code, the wrong location, and it's on this road that unless people live there and, and seen it, no one would know this house is for sale, and it's been listed for a while, and while it's been listed every month, the bank has been slashing the price by $10,000, and uh, she said, this is a great, great deal. I went and looked at it. I knew it was a great, great deal. I bought that house right then and there. And this was just as the market was beginning to kind of really pick up, okay? So then Alicia and I, we got married. 
That house was a great blessing. I sold that house. I paid $34,000 for that house. I sold it for $160,000. We took that money and we bought three more houses and paid cash for those houses. And uh, same, same scenario. It's like, God, you know what? We, we, we believe that we're called to be in ministry, and that means we don't want to ever stand on the pulpit and be reliant on people's gifts for us to survive. We're looking to you. And so we were praying about, okay, what's the next step, God? The, the Bible says in Proverbs 10 that the blessing of the Lord, it brings wealth and it adds no sorrow with it. So, Father, we're looking to you, and we continue to step out. We found another house our realtor had sent to us, and we said, let's buy another house, and we can, we can sell that one. And so, uh, you know, we bought that house and put in an offer. You know, you go through the process. We weren't the highest offer, and, uh, but we, we prayed for it. And we came into agreement. We said, we're going to get this house. And uh, they said, you know what? Your offer's not the best offer. Sorry, we've gone with another offer. We were a little disappointed. We, uh, we were traveling probably several weeks later, two, three weeks later, and we were out of, uh, out of the country, actually. We were on one of those little cruises, right? The little bohemian cruises there. So we were in the Bahamas. And uh, at 6 a.m. in the morning, the phone rang in the cruise ship there, and uh, we were shocked that someone found us, you know? So I answered the phone. I was like, who is this? You know, who's there? And uh, they're like, hey, we've been trying to figure out where y'all have been at. And uh, the bank changed their mind. They want to go with your offer. The only problem is we need original signed documents by tomorrow morning. And uh, so I'm like, well, there's no way to get it there by tomorrow morning because they had to send us the paperwork. We had to send it back. And, uh, you know, many, many people give up whenever they step out because there's a little bit of we have to figure it out involved or we have to walk through some things to, to get there. And I said, hey, don't worry about it. I will figure it out. And uh, there's times you got to call an attorney. you got to jump out there. You've got to, what are the options? What can we do? How can we get this done? And uh, so we ended up finding a notary on the island. We walked around the island looking for a notary sent back power of attorney, and we closed the deal and uh, ended up you know, m- making money and selling that house. We, we, we paid very little for that house, made well over, what, $150,000 when we sold that house. And God was working on our behalf. Uh, James 2.17, it says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by actions, it is dead. You've heard faith without works is dead. And uh, you've got you've to engage. In Luke, Jesus, whenever he was there, there was the woman with the issue of blood. If you remember, she had heard about Jesus, that he was the healer. And uh, she, she began to, to think, man, if I could see Jesus, because I've tried the doctors, I've tried every scenario I can walk through, but nothing has changed. And so if I could just see Jesus, she leaves her home, which was against the law of Moses, by the way. So she leaves her home, goes, goes to find Jesus, and Jesus is in this crowd of people. And Jesus stops and he said, somebody touched me. The disciples, once again, as they, they oftentimes had done before, they are going to lecture Jesus. And like, Master, how could you say who's touched you? We're in this crowd of people. How could you say that, Master? And he said, no, no, something was different. I felt the power flow through my body. And there he looked and there was the woman that had the issue of blood. She had reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And he said, daughter, stand. He said, your faith has made you whole. Now, there was a lot of people bumping, rubbing shoulders with Jesus, bumping into Jesus. He was in a crowd of people, right? And, uh, but it was this woman. It was her faith. It was that connection. But when she left her house, I would venture to say she had faith. Because as you get into the Word of God or you hear the stories about the Word of God, she had faith. But that's what compelled her to leave her home because faith without works, does, it, it is, it, that is part of it. It does not exist. It is dead. So it's hearing the good news of the gospel, and then responding. It's hearing a message where someone says, hey, you've got this. God's in your corners. Uh, you, you, can, you can run the race with God. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to be uh, broke. Uh, you don't have to be busted. You don't have to be going through this situation. And then you respond to it. See, oftentimes we hear the good news of the gospel. Maybe you're at a church service and you're challenged. And you have all of these great ideas or you have, uh, you know, yes, we're going to engage in faith. And then you, you go home, turn on the TV and eat a pizza. Is that, is that just me? Come on. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. And uh, we do that so often in a moment of faith, we can hear that God's speaking to us and he's challenging us to trust him and to walk in faith, not just the just shall live by faith, right? 
that not just to, to come to church and go through the motions, but to truly actively engage, to truly step out. Just like, uh, just like Abraham has said, hey, I, I want you to leave the country of your father and, I take and, and go to the land I will show you. I'd be like, and I have a map first, you know, I would rather not get out there and then you don't show me where I'm supposed to be going. And uh, or what about the, the 10 lepers in Luke 17? Jesus said, they said, Master, have mercy upon us. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Many times we firmly plant our feet in one place and say, God, I'm not moving until you do something to move me. And God's saying, well, then you're not moving because I'm waiting on you to take a step, to step out of the boat, to trust my word, to believe. In John 9, he told the blind men, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I'm sure the guy was like, dude, can you see I'm blind? You want me to walk, like, I, it, it's, a, it's not easy for me to get there. It's not like you where you just walk over there. He's like, it's a process for me to get there. But he, as he went, he went and washed in the pool of Shalom. And as he washed his face and washed his eyes, he was healed and he had his sight. And so as you step out in the same way, faith must be accompanied by action. And as God speaks to you, and as you get before the kingdom, sometimes you think it's a distraction, right? You ever, you ever try to pray and you keep having thoughts that pop up in your mind and you're like, I rebuke you, Satan. I'm trying to pray, you know? And it's like, God's like, no, that's me. <laughs> that's me trying to get something to you because I care about the natural things around you. I care about your family. I care about your life. And uh, so that's how it works. It takes believing and speaking and stepping out. It doesn't matter how much electricity you have available to you in your house, right? You got your, your you know, 200 amp panel or maybe you have a 100 or 150 amp panel. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter that you have the electricity available to your house if the breakers are turned off or the light switches are turned off. You're going to be sitting in the darkness waiting for somebody to come liberate you. But God has given you the switch. He's given you the power. He's given you the authority to walk with God. I remember another deal we were trying to get closed. And these are just practical little scenarios that I hope that you can say, Okay, God, what, what, what is an opportunity? What does a God opportunity look like? But there was another house that we were, we were working on the deal. And um, so we were trying to, to close on this deal, and it kept getting postponed. And uh, we were frustrated by it. It was an excellent deal, and I knew it was. And um, the market was getting drier and drier, leaner and leaner. And I don't know what the market's like here in Marion, but back, back over near Columbus area, it's an extremely aggressive market, and it is super dry, meaning there's no houses for sale. So uh, to find a property is difficult. And uh, this was years ago, but so we had this contract on this house and months went by and we could not get it to close. It kept, uh, we kept having to, you know, resign and put an extension in. And so months went by and finally they reached out to us and they said, hey, sorry, we're going to have to pull the deal. Uh, it'll hit the open market again. And once we've fixed the issues that we keep having with the title, then, then, you know, it'll hit the market and you can put an offer in there. And I was really disappointed because I knew it would cost tens of thousands of dollars just based on where the market was and how much it had changed in those, I think it was three, four months where we were trying to get this deal to close. And uh, so we were frustrated and we're like, okay, you know, we need, to, we need to find the next place. We need to find uh, the, uh, the house. We had some cash and that's what we wanted to invest it in. And um, so we had a limited, limited number of money, right? We had a limited sum. And so uh, we were shopping and I was frustrated because every time we looked at a place, I was like, man, I was thinking of the other deal. You know what I mean? Like, this other one was so much better. The other one was so much better, you know? And, and you, you can get in a place where you kind of start speaking doubt over your life. Like, well, we're not going to find a house like the other one now. We're not going to find a deal like that other one that fell through. And uh, so we, we, you know, we had to get our faith in alignment and get in the Word of God. And, and we talked about it. I said, you know, we, we need to pray about this. Because we've been looking and we're finding nothing. And uh, we prayed, and Alicia said, you know what? I really feel like that house is supposed to be the house we're supposed to buy. I feel like that's it. And uh, I was like, okay. So then you pray for a strategy. The Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, man or woman lacks wisdom, they should what? Ask, because God gives it abundantly. So if you need wisdom, ask. God will give you a plan. And so I prayed about it, and I was like, you know what? I need to get to the decision maker's desk. 
whoever's handling this sale, that's the person I need to talk to. And I'm talking about the house that we had fallen out of contract in. So I'm like, okay, we're going to go back there. She's like, I feel like that's the one we're supposed to do. And uh, through a long process, I ended up getting the phone number of the person. And it was either Texas or Tulsa. I don't remember. I got the phone number to their desk and I called them. I had some talking points that I, you know, I felt like I was going to make my case. I'd spent a little time just kind of understanding uh, what I was going to say. He answered and says, who's this? And I said, hey, you don't know me, but um, I'm looking at this house that you have. And uh, we were in contract for those several, several months. And, uh, you know, I hear you're the guy that's got the power to make the decision. And so I want to talk to you about it. And I went through my points of I believe that, that pulling the deal, it violates the good faith principle in real estate and this and this. And, and plus, we would just be honored if you would, uh, would honor that deal because you held our earnest money for all of these months and you knew it didn't have a clean title when you began the deal and put it on the market a little you know, early. Just kind of went through it. And he said, well, you know, it's going to hit the open market when we get the title cleared, but I'll keep this conversation in consideration. And uh, that was kind of how it left, but I knew I had made my case, right? You, you know you made your case. You, you stepped out and you gave God an opportunity to do something. And uh, so another month or so went by. I don't know exactly how long it was, but another month went by and just nothing. And we kept shopping for houses through that process. And, uh, you know, so this time it was a first Wednesday service and uh, I said, you know, let's come into agreement. And I believe that sometimes you need a point of contact, right? And uh, we, we give in faith as a point of contact when it comes to an area of need. And uh, the Bible talks, Luke 6, 38, given, it will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And do you have to give to receive? No, but I believe sometimes you need that point of contact. So we gave a financial gift. I said, let's come into agreement. We grabbed hands. I said, Lord, show us this next step. And if that house is truly supposed to be it, I thank you that we would see breakthrough in this situation. And we gave and we believed and we were in unity. The next morning, guess what happened? I got a phone call, the good kind of phone call, right? And they said, hey, guess what? We're going to let you have that deal back. We got the title clear. All you need to do is just sign the paperwork and we'll resubmit it. And my realtor said, hey, I've never seen that before. Um, they, They left a lot of money on the table, but... It was an awesome thing for us, and we were so thankful. I believe that your words and what you speak and what you believe are so important. People say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but but words will never hurt me. That's not true. Your words paint a picture of what you believe. Oh, I'm not valuable. See, a lot of times as Christians, we try to censor ourselves, right? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, things will never change. Oop, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, you know, and it's like, no, no, that tells a deeper tale. That tells what you really believe. Don't, don't try to stop what you're saying. Try to stop what you're believing. Get into the word of God because what you believe, it's going to come out. What you really believe is just kind of filter out slowly. Oh, this deal's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. They're, they're going to sell it on. It's worth you know, tens of thousands of dollars more. There's no way that they're going to give it to us. Oh, this sickness isn't going to change. It's not going to go away. Your words are powerful, and you've got to remember that. Uh, death and life, it says in Proverbs 18, is in the power of the tongue. How did God create the heavens and the earth? He did it by speaking, and so faith is released into your life. The Bible says that we give an account when we stand before God for every word we speak. And it doesn't just say every, you know, it says every idle word, meaning all words that we speak. Why? Because words release spirit. And whenever we release, we come into alignment with that, and we say, you know what? We're saying, I'll have that. We're made in the image of God. We're made in his likeness. And he says, let there be light. And, I'm, and, and sometimes I'm saying, like, I'm cursing my life. I'm broke. I'll have some of that. I'm busted. My body's sick. And, and God's probably looking up from heaven like, they don't get it. You know, just like he told the disciples, you perverse generation. You don't understand. And, uh, you know, I don't know about y'all, but... I can be a little slow at times with God. And he's just, he's patient and he's good. And he's like, now he understands. It takes a bit sometimes to get it through. Uh, I remember though this other deal. And I'm just taking you through this process. Once again, stories of faith, learning God's kingdom, learning to trust him in bigger things. And uh, we were praying for abundance because we wanted to be generous. Have you ever done that before? You know, and I'm, I'm on staff at a church. And uh, the way to give more to your church and to the ministry around you is not to go to the board at your church and say, I need a raise, right? I was like, it just doesn't make sense. And uh, so we were praying about, God, what's the next step for us? 
And my wife, she says, you know, we need to buy some apartments. We need to buy some apartment buildings. And I was like, babe, you know how it goes. You got to have a lot of money to do that. Here's the limiting, limiting belief system, right? You got to have a lot of money. We're not ready for that yet. We can't do that. You've got to have, I mean, you got to have well over $100,000 in cash to even think about getting one of those deals to, to go. And we don't have that money in cash. And, uh, you know, but we came up with a plan and we did, right? And uh, so then we begin to shop around and my mind begins to change as to my expectation. And um, so I got, I got into the word of God, but also studied the, the market. And how do, you, how do you do one of these deals? How do you find one of these bigger deals? What am I looking for? How do I know if it's a good deal? Many times God gives you a plan and Christians just bumble through it and make a mess of it because they think because God's involved, everything's just going to be perfect and line up and I don't have to do anything. And uh, that's not the case. We've got to learn. We've got to grow as well. We've got to be wise. We've got to study. So God will bring you an opportunity. And if you're out hunting, but you haven't sighted your gun in or your bow in, you're going to miss every time. And uh, so I was driving one day and I passed this property and I just was like, that's it. I passed it and I actually turned around to go back and get the number off the sign because you dismiss those things, right? Like that, that would be great. It's not for sale. You know, that's the first thing your mind says. I'm just going to call the number on the sign. And, uh, you know, so I, I did. I was like, I'm going to make myself do it. Turned around, went back, got the number and um, called the number, left a message, said, hey, I'm interested in your apartments. Give me a call back at your convenience. I went home later that evening. The gentleman gave me a call back. He said, hey, yeah, I've got some for rent. If you want to rent, this is what they rent for. And um, so I told him, I said, well, I'm actually not interested in renting. Have you ever thought of selling them? And his words were, I was just thinking about that this morning. Isn't it interesting that whenever you finally make that choice that you're going to step out, that God has already been working on your behalf, aligning the situations for your good? And you've just got to say, yeah, I'll have some of that because God's a good father, right? I've got three beautiful little kids and, uh, you know, I take care of their needs. I feed them. I love them. And there are times, though, where we're at the dinner table. I'm waiting on them to lead the conversation and say, uh, would you please pass this or to ask for it, right? And uh, my, my little son, sometimes he's like kind of like there, like expecting us to feed him without ever engaging. So I'm like, we're trying to teach him, like, just, you got to ask, buddy. You got to ask. Like, you, yeah, you can have it. You need to ask. Say, please say thank you, right? God is also waiting and eagerly desiring to give us good things, the Bible says, right? He desires and he's eagerly desiring for us to have good things, but he's waiting on us to ask and to open up. And uh, so I was really excited, but then I was still like, well, I actually don't know what he's going to ask for it financially. So, you know, you're like, yay, wait, we can't afford it probably, right? <laughs> you're lim limiting factor. You've got to keep putting that side aside and say, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight, and I'm going to ask for wisdom. So I met the gentleman, Alicia and I met him at the property, walked around with him. He threw a number out and I was amazed because it was a great number. And he sold those properties to us for what he paid for them back in 1980. And uh, the deal was amazing, and we were going to, on the day of closing, we were going to make several hundred thousand dollars just in equity on this deal. And uh, so we were really excited about that, but sometimes, you know, you go through things, right, in your life that you didn't expect, and you paint this ideal picture of everything's going to be great, and this is how it's going to work out, and all things are going to be good, A-okay, woohoo, and... Um, you know, we had run a half marathon together, you know, several months before, I think it was maybe. Uh, yeah, it was, it was quite a bit before. And she had had some pain in her side. And it took quite a while to get a doctor to kind of have an idea of what it was. And they're like, we're pretty sure just maybe a pulled muscle from that and maybe just needs some therapy or just needs to be checked out. And uh, so we'd gone to the doctor a couple weeks before. We had the day of closing to buy this property, and we had the doctor's appointment in the morning. So we had the appointment in the morning, then we were going to go to the closing, and we were going to celebrate the rest of the evening. And in my mind, we're going to get a great bill of health, we're going to close on this deal, and we're going to go home and eat a pizza. Amen. And, uh, you know, you know how that goes, right? Thanksgiving's going to be great, the family will get along, you know, we all know, it's good. But uh, anyway, so we go to the doctor, and the doctor comes in and he's with several other doctors and you could tell by the look on his face something wasn't right. And I looked at her and she looked at me and it's like, okay, what's going on? 
and uh, we're here for a pulled muscle. And he goes, look, there's no good way to say it. This is the worst possible scenario. And uh, I don't know about you, but whenever you hear those words and that's the leading conversation topic, it's not what you want to hear. And he said, uh, this is a very aggressive type of cancer. We've got to get you to the James right away. This moves very quick, very, I, I forget all the ways he described it, but very hard to control, uh, very evasive. And, you know, you're just like, wait a minute. No, you're in the wrong room. We're here for a pulled muscle. That's somebody else, you know, go somewhere else. And, uh, you know, you feel like you've been kicked by a horse, but I've been kicked by a horse and it was, that, that scenario was much worse, Okay. We leave the, hosp- the, the, the doctor's office there, and I, I took her hand, and there's almost no words you can say. Uh, married folks, you know what I mean, right? It's just like, what can you say in those moments? And you're trying to be strong. You're trying to hold it together. You don't want to believe the report that you've had, but it just feels heavier and stronger, and, and like it just takes a lot more faith than you have to walk through this moment. And we got in the car, and she said, we're not, we're not receiving this. And I'm just like, dude, I, I do not want to raise these kids alone. You know, at the time we had two kids and our heart's desire was to have a third. We had gone through a miscarriage and we'd walked through that process already. And uh, it was a difficult season and we'd already felt like we had been just going through, you know what I'm talking about, going through hell, right? And you're just like, man, I just feel like I just, you don't feel like things are restored until you have that next baby too. Because we just wanted to have that next baby. And we were waiting for that clean bill of health and everything was good. And now the finances are coming in and just things are just from glory to glory to glory. And then you're like, wait. I thought from glory to glory, what's this? What's this? And um, we go to, you know, he said, hey, you're going to be at the James this upcoming week. You're, we're, we're, you need to cancel your schedule. We've got an appointment for you already, blah, 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 blah. And uh, so we go through this process of trying to figure out what to do and what's going on and what are the options and how do we handle this. And you're just, it's, it's a very, uh, you're in shock for a while. You just don't think that it can be you. And if you've gone through a really difficult health situation or a scenario, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, um, you know, the day came where it was, it was a struggle, you know, especially at night, those words. It's hard. You wish you could just t- shut your mind off and go to sleep. And this is, this is applicable in many areas. Maybe it was a bad report uh, about your health, but it also might be your finances. Maybe you're working with creditors or with lawyers, and things are just really in a difficult situation. I promise you there's hope, okay? The story gets better. We won't amen this end, right? <laughs> yeah. My wife's right here. Come on. But uh, anyway, so, so we go, and then the day came that we got good news. He said he comes in and they had done a, uh, an MR, the MRI and he'd done a biopsy and kind of they were checking. He said, well, we have good news. It's not this other type of cancer. It is cancer, but it's slow growing. It's easily controlled. You're not going to die, basically. And you're just like, whew. But, right, why has there got to be a butt involved, right? But... He's like, but we're going to need to do an operation. And it was on her side. He's like, we're going to have to take a large chunk of muscle out. We're going to have to scrape the bone. We're going to have to do radiation. And uh, we may have to do it a few times, you know, to get rid of it. You won't be 100%. He's like, it'll take plastic surgery, but you'll learn a new norm. And uh, so now you're, once again, it's still not that report that you're excited about. And, uh, you know, so we go home and we, we talked about it. And she's like, that is not, that's not what I'm believing God for. You know, that's not what I'm believing God for. And uh, once again, though, walking through this process, it was not fun. It was not easy because we're human. And walking by faith and not by sight can be difficult when you want to rely on your five senses. How do you feel today? Uh, not so great still. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm still in a lot of pain. How, how's life going? Not so good. You should hear all the bad things that we've been through. Went through a miscarriage, then we went to the doctor and all of these, you know, all of this stuff. Yeah, we, that begins, you can just kind of sit down and just sit in that quicksand and just lay there until your life's done, right? But if you're going to keep getting into the Word of God and keep fighting and keep pushing against that struggle, then God is working on your behalf. And, uh, you know, we did close on the apartment deal, but like I said, man, it was, it was, it's amazing how little money means whenever you're looking at these much bigger factors. And, um, 
you know, it was a slow process, and the, the, they, we got good news along the way again, saying, hey, it is growing slower than we thought, so you have a little bit of time to think about this. And it was about the size of my fist, just a little smaller, uh, about the size of an orange on her side, and she's a small-framed young lady there, and it was obvious, and it, it was robbing from her motherhood of the two children we have, because she couldn't rough house, you know, you got to be careful with mama. It was not the way God intended it to be, but we had to keep going to God's Word and basing our life on the principles of the kingdom, that sickness is an intruder. In Deuteronomy 28, the Bible talks about the curse of the law. And in Galatians, it says we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law in Deuteronomy 28 says all, well, it says tumors specifically, which uh, cancerous things, right? But it also says all diseases not listed here. Okay, God, we know that this is not part of the blessing, but this is part of the curse. And we are not going to receive it. And there's days that you feel really strong. When you're in a faith battle, there are days you feel great. And you're like, I should see the healing right away. And one day I remember, you know, you have those kind of ups and downs. And she said, you know, why, why is this so hard? And um, I believe it was by the Spirit of God because I just came out of my mouth really quick. And I said, learning to stand is not the same thing as learning to walk. And, uh, you know, that was like one of those moments. I was like, okay, we're not going to give up. Because a lot of times we want to have this little moment where we stand up in faith and like, yay, we did it. We're healed. Life's good. And then we can just go about our way. But we had to learn to walk in faith and walk with God. And over the course of a year and a half, it was amazing. As you look at that mountain and you stare at a mountain, it seems bigger and bigger and bigger. And, uh, you know, what you, what you put before your life, it will become larger. And that's why you've got to look at the promises of God's word. And so then we said, you know, you know, the more we looked at what God called us to do and we looked at his word, that became the greater force. And then when you look back at that mountain, it seems so small and easy to step over. And uh, like I said, our, our main heart's desire, what we really wanted to move on past was to, get, was to conceive another child. And I remember the day that came where the doctor came in and this was, you know, they'd been monitoring it for over a year. He's like, look, you're young. So he kind of had the doctor talk, you know. And we're not, we're not encouraging medical negligence, by the way. So you've got to be led, and you've got to be very, you've got to hear from God. And God will use doctors, by the way, all right? God will use doctors. And if you're going to get a surgery, you better have faith indeed, okay? So either way, you need faith. But he said, look, you're young. You guys need to move on. You need to go ahead and just get the surgery, be done with this, and move on with your life when you heal up, get pregnant, and have, you know, move on with your family. And so that's kind of where I was starting to be like, okay, maybe he's right. And Alicia, she said, no, I, that not being 100% is not the report that I believe that God told me. And uh, so the day was coming where we were kind of like at that Red Sea moment where, okay, at our next appointment, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and, you know, we're going to have us. Uh, I actually f- found the form. I, I got rid of one of my cars last uh, week. And in the, the car, in the glove compartment, had the, the, the steps we were supposed to, to take. Meet with plastic surgeon. Do this. It was like the, that last moment. And, uh, you know, so he's like, These are, this is what you got to do. And we're going we're gonna to start making progress. And then next time we meet, we need to go ahead and schedule the surgery. And so we're like, okay, God, we agree. We want to move on. But when, right? And, uh, you know, the James was amazing through the whole process. They really were. They, they, they did not, uh, our, our doctor was really great. He did not say, yeah, you're going to die. He was very encouraging. Um, he said, I've seen miracles before, and if that's what you're believing for, I'm not going to say otherwise. So this was kind of, the, you know, that moment. But anyway, right before that appointment was supposed to happen, we were praying, God, we need wisdom. What are we to do? The James called and canceled the appointment, said, we've got to set up another appointment. And then after that, they called again and said, actually, your doctor's moving. He's relocating out of state. We're going to hand you off to a new doctor. And, this was, and then they didn't follow up with us. And so we're like, okay, God, was this what we prayed for? And uh, we, conceived, uh, we conceived a child. And the doctor had said, you could conceive, by the way. He said, you could conceive. It just, we don't recommend it because the tumor, it will grow exponentially. You'll, it'll look like you're pregnant with twins. You won't be able to have a natural birth. So we went through this process, but there was peace on our home. There was grace on our household. We conceived a child, and we were full of joy. It was almost like these heavy, heavy, this heavy, uh, painful life that we had walked through, that it, it was behind us and not before us. 
it was, everything was about our future and it was about life and there was joy and there was just this grace on our home and this peace that was God, God breathed in our life. The day came, we went full term. Nine months later, we gave birth. She gave birth. I was there, but you know, she gave birth to this beautiful little girl. And, uh, you know, we're rednecks, so we have our kids at home. But, you know, so we, we have this beautiful little baby. And I'm there with my two daughters and my little son holding this baby. And it just was a beautiful moment. And, of course, you know, so what about the tumor, right? I'm like, so in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, we're going to have the baby. The tumor will be gone. Life's good. So I asked, I said, is the tumor still there? And she's like, it is, but it's not hurting anymore. It's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not like painful anymore. And about a month later, she came in and she grabbed my hand and she put it on her side and uh, the tumor was completely gone. And that's amazing, amazing testimony. Now, God uses the stories, though, that have been in your life in those moments to remind you of his faithfulness. Because you may not feel like he's being faithful. You may not feel like things are going well. You may not feel like, uh, like there's life. You may not feel like the promises of God are going to come about. Joshua 21, 45 says, Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed, but everyone was fulfilled. And a promise is an offer with a guaranteed results. But if it doesn't feel like it's happening, reflect on God's promises. I know my sister, Pastor Amy, she's a pastor at our church, and um, she shared her story here, I believe. But she was healed, healed of, of a tumor as well. And so those were stories like you don't know sometimes what the, when you hear something that like God's going to keep using that to speak to you again and again. We got her book, right? Now, I walked through that with uh, with the family, and I remember the day I walked in, and she she was miraculously healed. I mean, I cried when I walked in because I they didn't have to tell me she was healed. I just knew we were getting together as a family. I walk in and see her, and I cried because I was like, "What happened?" And uh, you know, God used that story. He used many stories with us that remember that God is good. And God has stories in your life that he wants you to reflect on where he's been present, but even more so, the things he wants to lead you into, the victories, the grace, his good promises, knowing that he is good. And, uh, you know, God, God can heal and he will heal. Many people preach God can heal, he just doesn't. I'm like, that's worse. You know, it's like my kids hurt and I'm like, I can't help you, but I'm not. You know, what kind of parent would do that? No one, right? Only someone that was broken and, and, and had been wounded as a child very deeply. And that's not the God we serve. I'm going to have you stand up to your feet today. I just want to encourage you today to step out. Step out on faith. Hold on to God's word. Hold on to his truth, no matter what you're going through. And if you've got a financial hardship, I've told you several stories of how God worked on our behalf, how we came into agreement, how we expected to see things changed, and they did. How in our physical body, right, things did not seem to be correct or things, things were wrong, and you get that bad report, holding on to the promises of God. God is good. God is love. He gives that love freely to everyone who asks. And if you're in this place and you've not called upon the name of the Lord, this is always the most important part of any service. And many people are like, well, here he's going to do an altar call. Absolutely. Because I, it's, it's nothing more than just introducing you to my heavenly Father. I'm not going to call anyone to the front or anything like that, but I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. If you've never experienced God's love and who he is and ha never had an experience with the kingdom, maybe you've not called upon the name of the Lord or you did years ago and you turned and you ran the other direction as many people do. If you're in this place, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up and you can put it right back down. I'm not going to have you come to the front or anything like that. I just want you to mark the spot today. And if you're joining us online right where you're at, you can do the same thing. You can mark the spot and say, today is the day of new beginnings. I'm calling upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to have all of us repeat this prayer after me, and uh, I want to speak over you as well. But everyone just repeat after me. Say, Father, I need you. Cleanse me of unrighteousness. Teach me about your kingdom. Do a work in me. As I take steps, I thank you. You show yourself faithful. I hand over my stress, my brokenness, my sickness, in the name of Jesus we pray. Everybody 